Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Light the fight. We're back. Great to be back with you guys. I am David. I'm Heidi. And we took last week off. It was a little bit of a <clears throat> impromptu. It was Heidi's birthday. Hey, you like, guys, you know what? Celebrate. I'm one year older and wiser too. And so you're welcome. So I feel like I bring with me just a whole new older. See, a year ago, she would have came out stressed out, been frustrated. We would have done a podcast. She would have said, erase it, you know, get it, you know, <laughs> don't put that one out there. Instead, this week it was, <clears throat> it was, you know, her birthday, but also it was rough. Um, my aunt passed away last week. And so, anyways, long story short, yeah, it was sorry. good, good, like little spring break for uh, Light the Fight. We, we kind of all needed that around here. So, but we're back and here we are. So, so I did have one kind of moment. Um, so last week, actually, right before my birthday, I had two different kind of speaking engagements. They were both um, speaking to women. And in both cases, the most of the, well, I felt I felt like I was much more mature than <laughs> some of the people that um in in one case I was on a panel I was significantly the oldest and then at a, I went and spoke at a women's business retreat an entrepreneurs retreat and I w- I felt again significantly more mature than than the the attendees and so I was telling my daughter Quincy about it and so she gets on iTunes and she pulls up Master Ugwe's um, lullaby or or his you know whatever his um, anthem is, which is when Master Ugwe. If you don't know, what I'm talking about Fu it's Panda. the it's the turtle that is is the um, what do you, what the master kung fu master yeah kung fu kung master fu yeah. And um, he's very old, and instead of dying, he actually just turns into cherry blossom petals. And and so um, I have been dubbed by Quincy now as um, Master Ugwe. Well, you're getting <laughs> closer to Jedi status. Yes. Yes. So I just I feel empowered with um, age. So we'll call you Aunt Heidi now. <laughs> there you go. We'll see in the Polynesian culture, if you ascend to auntie or uncle status, that's that's quite a good thing. If that's you're an auntie good. and uncle, it means you're an OG. Okay. You've been there and done that's that. That's me for sure. <laughs> no, it was I had I had a great birthday and um I it was I appreciated the chance to kind of just spend the, that time with my family. Well, we're glad that you got a chance to recharge, spend some time with your family and you're back with us now. So, see, so you got a little magazine, some book, or a magazine in front of you, I and brought some thoughts some in material. your brain. I did. I did. So, um, a couple podcasts ago, I kind of shared that I was excited to be partnering on a professional level with Joanne Storrs to talk about mental health awareness. So, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And, you know, if you just Google it, 
you can look and see that Mental Health Awareness Month started in 1949. 70 years, and we're still having a really hard time talking openly about mental health awareness. Um, so it was interesting for me to kind of do some, just a little, like I didn't do a ton of research, just some Google, um, some Googling about like some of the different themes that have that have accompanied mental health awareness and kind of the way that it's it's grown. One of the things that I thought was really interesting um, was watching what companies and what people um, kind of align themselves with mental health awareness month. And I think, you know, we've talked about this, David talks about this quite openly, that um, any company, any individual that kind of partners up with mental health, what happens? <laughs> well, it's taking a big risk, first of all. Yeah. Um, especially the larger the company, you know, the more they have to risk. It's <clears throat> it, unlike physical health, it's not it's not in the same category. Right. You know, it's there's a lot of unknown. There's always a joke with me and some of my mental health professionals. We'd say, yeah, mental health is like the redheaded stepchild to physical health. <laughs> Right, and, just, uh, yeah. and and hopefully you get the joke in that. But point I'm trying to make is it's just not taken as serious. It's yeah. not given as much of a platform, and it's it's discombobulated on a large scale. And I'm not blaming all the people in the mental health system. I'm just saying that in comparison to our physical health system, it doesn't even look like it's the same system. Right. And it, even though it's partnered, especially psychiatric hospitals are partnered up with the medical. Um, with medical hospitals and, and they work together specifically with prescribing medications and keeping people safe. Even though they work together and they interface with each other, they're, they're seen much differently. There, there's a lot of challenges to be, to, to be tackled with this. And, you know, that's one of the great things about maybe in mental health awareness month is that this is a month specifically to have more open discussions. As I mentioned a few episodes ago, um, and I can't remember where I heard this from, but I'm borrowing this from someone Basically, you said seven years ago is when they made Mental Health Awareness Month. Seven, yeah, seven zero yeah. seventy. Yeah, seventy. Well, shortly, sometime before that, someone came up with the word or the phrase "mental health." Man, if we could go back in time, <laughs> and if we could rebrand that and call it something different, the Cool Kids e Club. <laughs> even if it was emotional health, or right? Just, people, even though that would still have a little, uh, you're overly emotional, or if it was psychological health. Something about mental has been this stigma. It's like, what are you, mental? It's like, it was always seen as, you know, and I don't know when this began because, you know, I'm not that old, but um, I think we're, we're at a big disadvantage in a lot of ways. So if there's a month that we can take some time to focus on this, let's do it because at the end of the day, <clears throat> there's a lot more people out there that are struggling. The homeless population is largely, if you look at most homeless people, there is massive mental health issues right. there. And I'm not saying there's not addiction issues, there's not a lot of other issues, but all those can lead you to mental health or mental health can lead you to being homeless. Mm -hmm. And so they, they're obviously very well connected in, into uh, the, the homeless community, not to mention you know the, the psychiatric hospitals and how it works where someone goes to the hospital and then they come out like, all right, go back home now. There's not like a lot of stages in between there. In some cases, there is. Point point is, uh, I'm glad you're bringing this up for the month of May because 
the more we can talk about this. It's horribly branded. We all agree that mental is not the best name for it, but we still have to fight through it anyways. Right. We have to figure out other ways to talk Gotta about talk it. Got to talk about it. Well, one of, the, one of the things that I saw there on social media that I thought was pretty impressive um, was that Instagram partnered with AFSP, which is the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. And all month they're doing social campaigns, talking to Instagram social... Instagram um, influencers and giving them a chance to tell their story and where different elements and circumstances created mental health challenges for them in which they had to sort of make a decision to, you know, on how they were going to confront it, deal with it. And um, I thought that, I thought that that was really cool of a, of a company like Instagram Um to come out. So I, f- I feel like um, FSP, obviously, it's safe and, and appropriate and expected for them to be talking about mental health. Um, and so I was glad that they partnered with such a powerful organization to get those stories out there and told. And so I think we're making, I think oh, we're yeah. making progress. Brandon, our producer, would you mind looking something up for us? I heard this today. I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I heard that Instagram is coming out with I know it's uh, called I know a filter. Basically, like it's for younger, specifically made for. There's a back thing on the back where you can go in and turn it on or off. Where you can have an Instagram profile, but it doesn't show likes. Doesn't show like how many followers you have. So right now in Canada, they've turned off all the likes. So you don't even know how many likes you got. And they're they're doing it. They came out and they said it's such a triggering thing for people. And so they're doing this test. In fact, one of my media team members, uh, shout out to Lindsay Bateman, um, woke up and she was like, hey, it doesn't show how many likes I've got. And they were talking about it on the Today Show. They said that for for some people, and, and I, I, I'm raising my hand here in the studio, that when, you, when your posts don't perform, that it does affect the way you feel. And so I think that here you have... Companies like Instagram and and no, by extension it affects you. Yeah, it physically phys- affects your brain, it does. your body, your chemistry, everything. Yeah. So, did you find anything about that, Brandon? Specifically for for young kids right now, because I didn't hear about that. What I heard about is that there's a new thing that they're going to be offering that for young kids, it can be without the likes and without those different. Yeah, types and of things. I actually <clears throat> love that. I would really just in general. And who controls that? Whoever owns the account, or well, we'll find out more about it and get back to you. I, th- I think it's just really episode. cool. Obviously, yeah, the, these big too. companies and social companies um, are are taking some responsibility for their role. Obviously, mental health issues go back a long time before Facebook and before iPhones, and you know, and before all this stuff. There has been um, mental and emotional struggles for as as long as there's been yeah. people. And of course, we wish we would have known back then what was going to happen today. You know, it's it's good to see some accountability in social media. And, and I believe in the next 10 years, <clears throat> in the course of the next 10 years, there's going to be such a strong pressure from Instagram, Twitter, and all these other organizations to be able to take what we've learned in the first 10 year of experiment for social media and provide safer options where people can still be in that arena and still be in that space as I'm doing the air quotes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. without it being so detrimental to someone's brain development, specifically early on in their years. Right. 
Um, I picked up. Um, yeah, what you got there? Huh? Yeah, so I picked up off just right off of the newsstand. Um, this is a special edition of Time Magazine, and um, it's out especially for May, which I think is really cool. Um, it's the mental health, and then it says a new understanding. It's actually a really pretty cover. <laughs> Maybe I'll post it on Instagram. I like the colors. Um, <laughs> but when you know, I decided that I wanted to just read it. Read it straight through. Um, but do you ever do that thing where you, when you open a magazine, you go to the back and then start going for, I don't know why I do this, but on the very back page, um, it shares some statistics. And so I just wanted to kind of touch on that because um, the point of it was to acknowledge the widespread experience of anxiety and other mental, other mental illness that will help um, – Understanding how widespread it is is going to improve the care. So um, one of the statistics is that depression is the number one most common cause of disability in the U.S. Okay, that that's a pretty significant statistic right there. Uh-huh. Um, and what you were just talking about with homelessness, like if you can't function emotionally and mentally, you cannot function physically. Um. Here's another interesting statistic. One-to-one ratio of men to women with social anxiety disorder. So gender equality right here in, in mental health, right? Doesn't, yeah. It doesn't take sides. Um, it says... Everybody's fearful of the same social rejection. Exactly. Um, it kind of goes on to say that... Um, I, I don't know. There's quite a few stats here. One in 25 people have serious mental illness that limits or interferes with their life. 16 million adults have experienced at least one major depressive episode in the past year. 67% of adults with personality disorder have at least one other mental illness. Um, anyway, it kind of goes on. And then it says 43% of U.S. adults with mental illness have received mental health services. So of all the people, the 16 million people that have a mental struggle, only less than half have gotten gotten help. So if less than half the people with broken legs got help, that, you know, that, that'd be weird. A lot of people weird. losing their leg to gangrene. Right, right. Um, okay, so this is where I just wanted to start and um, start us off because I think that this sort of was why, I th- why one thing that I really love about this podcast and, and what it's really helped me with. And the, the very first article that I, that's in, in the magazine says finding the right words. And it says language takes the stage as researchers strive to understand how we think about how we feel. And so I just want to read this little um, excerpt here. Consider the words that we use to describe people who exhibit symptoms of mental health, mental illness. It's not just crazy, kooky, bonkers, which have little interesting meaning outside of their applications to mental illness. There are cracked, unhinged, unbalanced words of things that are broken. There's deranged, unsound, berserk words words of a menace. There are words that strip humanity entirely, like a person who goes ape. A person who is batty, 
an image referring to a cancer patient as some kind. Im, imagine referring to a cancer patient as some kind of an animal. We don't. We wouldn't. But the person with mental illness, sure. So it goes on and it just talks about um, language. And that's a powerful thing. And that's kind of what I, I just wanted to, the conversation I wanted to open up today um, is that when we have real conversations about a real situation instead of just like generalizing or stigmatizing or um, in some cases just judging fr from the outside, it can be very damaging as opposed to when you actually find out what's going on. But it's really hard to do if you don't have any language on how to talk about it. And that's one of the extreme advantages that I have, that I have gained in the last almost four years since losing Corey, is that I can talk about it with words. Um, so I wondered if, like, if there's some vocabulary that you feel like would be more helpful to define with loved ones, with with your kids, with your spouse, um, and I and I I mean I can tell you what I think, too. <laughs> um, but I wondered if anything popped into your head. Yeah, I'll, I'll just start off first by saying, um, so all you parents out there, have you ever found yourself talking to your kids, um, and especially if you're trying to get them to do something? or to teach them something that for whatever reason, there's resistance. They don't want to learn it. They don't want to do it. And so you find yourself, <clears throat> instead of finding new, better words to express, you just kind of get more intense with the same words. Or you start trying different ways to explain something and you're just all over the map. Like <laughs> you're just like, well, you know, what I'm really trying to tell you and you just can see you're losing your kid's interest with every syllable that comes out of your mouth, you're losing them. They're, they're not following you. And so the reason why I bring that up is that most of the time what we do is we make the mistakes when we're parenting our kids that we'll try to use the same language but just make little small tweaks or we'll use different facial expressions or body languages or use different body language while we're saying the language. Maybe we're more angry one time when we say it. But... What's hard for certain people is to take certain words out of their brain and to replace them with other words. So what I mean by this is we were talking earlier, and I always use this example, the word mental. So if we're going to talk about mental health, I would suggest us, the individual, if we want to be heard when we're talking to people, we have to find different ways to talk about mental health. Because mental health just shuts people down. It just, it, it's too much of a, you know, it's, it's like someone says, yeah, those preppy jock kids. Oh, I know those kids. Just, it's easy to dismiss things. It's easy to say that you have something understood and you have something pegged. It's easy to use the common terminology because you don't have to think. You don't have to really do a lot. But with mental health, um, the reason why I think it's so important for us to get more creative with our language is because the language that we've been given to us, aka inheriting phrases like mental health, they've proven to not be that effective. So whatever the wording is that we've been using traditionally, 
how can we evolve that constantly? So one way, and the reason why I use the parent with the kid, if you've ever been talking to your kid and you realize what you're saying just isn't connecting with them and you get creative, you're going to find different ways to express yourself, different words to use. Sometimes we can use a word that someone has no idea what that word means, but because every podcast that we listen to uses that word, every self-help book uses that word. I tell a lot of parents this with their kids and with their spouses and partners. I say, listen, don't talk like you're their therapist. (laughs) If you start saying words like, you know, expressing or processing and our mental health and our emotions to someone who's going through that, all you sounds like Charlie Brown's freaking teacher. Wah, 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 and you lose people. So some options to consider when you're talking about depression, you're talking about anxiety, the symptoms of depression and anxiety, the way it makes you feel is much more relatable than the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So I always encourage people, if you can, if if you can find other ways to express depression and anxiety, er, er, the best ways to, f- to express depression and anxiety is to talk about what uh, depression and anxiety does versus just to use the blanket statements, my depression, my anxiety. Um, you know, when people say like my addiction, right? My friends who are heavy in the 12-step and addiction world, we've had similar conversations where they're saying, even though it is a true statement, like my addiction, it has some like, it gets you pinched into a corner. Now other people, and this is coming from a a couple of different studies, other people are less likely to relate to you on your diagnosis, but more likely to relate to you on the things that you feel by having that diagnosis. So if you're saying, I can't focus, I can't concentrate, I can't pay attention, I can't make these decisions, I'm going back and forth, that's a symptom of depression. Right. If you're saying, man, like, I can't get out of bed. I'm struggling. Every time you know, I think about the future, I get pessimistic. People can relate to that. Right. So out there, to all you guys listening, try to find words that are more common words that sit softer on people's ears than using the big words that we see on social media we see to get the clickbaits. And if you don't know what clickbait is, is it's stories that have huge titles that the title is like, um, octopus, swallow ship. You're like, Okay, I gotta see what the heck is this. Like, <laughs> so you click on that, right? And then all of a sudden, it goes to one story. So yeah, this octopus. You know, there's this little kid ship in the tide pools, and it's like a six inch ship. The kid put out. You know, you come to find it was a fake story, but you just kept on clicking on it. So what I'm finding right now is that some of the best ways for us to be able to change the language is we have to use language that is more relatable. Well, and and I love that you said that. And that's exactly kind of where I was going because if it's like, oh my gosh, you're just so lazy and you just don't even care and you just seem so checked out. Like these feel like condemning statements, right? But if you come in with like, man, you seem pretty stressed, you know, you want to talk about it or I'm here if you want to talk to me or whatever, rather than you're so freaking lazy, (laughs) you know, you're not getting anything done. You know, you seem kind of stuck right now. And if you want to, you know, I'm here if you want to talk about it. Well, it it, it can be frustrating for both parties. The person who has the mental health struggles is frustrated because they can't express what it's like. And the person who's trying to listen to be a support person, they're trying to, they're trying to make sense of all your, all the mental, the person has mental health struggles. The support person is trying to make sense 
like, gosh, like, why would you be suicidal? Why would you be depressed? And they have this bewildered look on their face. So it really has a standstill where the person having it has a hard time expressing it. The person trying to support the person that has it, they're having a hard time understand it. So that's why I always tell the support person, try to, or the person that's struggling with the mental health uh, challenges, to try to talk about it like it's a conversation. Sometimes we think that we need to be like, you don't understand, like my mental health struggles are so severe and they're so bad. Well, you can tell how bad and severe something is with someone if the person doesn't necessarily have, the person doesn't always have to give lots of grave details and this huge over-the-top expression. Sometimes it can be like, the sadness just doesn't seem to go away. And the person that's listening can be like, man, like instead of going, do you think you're depressed? You just simply say, like I've had days and weeks where it didn't go away, but I couldn't imagine what it's like to have it for months or years not go away. Okay, now this person that just said this to you is like, okay, they get it. We're talking about something that's affecting me versus trying to label what I'm going through. Right, and and I love that. And actually that reminds me, um, this last week I, I follow Brene Brown on Instagram and she posted this post and she calls it rumble language. I don't know if that's a, a clinical term. I don't know. I doubt it's good. She makes up all of her own stuff uh, just right. like me. <laughs> so, so she gives some suggestions about how to get people talking, how to get on their level, how to have a real conversation rather than either condemning or just, you know, what you just said. So she has some suggestions like, I'm curious about, tell me more, help me understand, walk me through, tell me why this doesn't work for you. You know, those kinds of, um, and so that's actually just on her feed if you want to take a look at it. But I think that it it's no um, coincidence that this concept of us not having words that are, that are matching um, between somebody who's trying to be a support person and the person who's struggling, um, not having a communication that's, that's shared or that's understanding, it's, it's no coincidence to me that that's the very first place that they start in this time special edition <laughs> thing because that's really... It's where it all starts. Where it all, where it all starts. And if you can't talk, if you can't have a conversation, then you can't connect. There are no problems just the way we talk about them. And that statement reveals that and if you can't talk about the problem, then to the other person, it's like it doesn't exist. Hold on, I gotta write that down. There's no problems, it's just the way we talk about them. Basically what that means is it's kind of like a, one of those kind of double-sided statements where what, what I'm really conveying in that is if you can't express what you're struggling with, then the person trying to support you has no way of understanding where to start from. And that starts with words and language. Some people like myself that are professionals or just have been doing this in whatever their profession have a knack at this, they start to just get really good at helping people let go of things that they're struggling with and, and get them to talk and, and get to a certain point. For, for other people who don't have a lot of experience with this, but still have loved ones that they care about and people that they need to be there for, this is great information because when someone is struggling, our natural inclination is to try to fix the struggle by stopping the struggle. That's not a support person. That's not a person who can help you get through the first stages, which is A, have a conversation. That's a person who feels that 
they're under discomfort and pain by your discomfort and pain, so they feel an emergency that they need to stop yours for you. And if they jump right in and you don't take their advice right away because you're not really feeling like they understand you, then they get disappointed. They give up easily and they say, I don't get it. I, I don't know. I tried to help. I, I don't know what to do. And unfortunately, in medical health, it doesn't really work like that. If someone goes in and sees a doctor and the doctor says, I, I don't know why I have this cold. I can't figure it out. Okay, doc. Like, <laughs> so you have no idea. It's like, no, can't figure it out. It's like, should I go to a doctor? Sure, if you want to, right? It, it, in, in mental health, it's just because it's not on x-ray, because it's not something as tangible like physical health, it makes it really difficult for us to talk about it. And I, yeah, I don't think it's by accident why they wanted to put that up front because it is the most important thing. How are you expressing what you're feeling? I tell people when they come into my office all the time, I, I'll say things like this. I'm like, I'm going to help you figure out the right words to express your thoughts and feelings to your friends and loved ones around you. And I always say this because I get a lot of frustration from the individual person struggling with mental health issues saying people just don't get it. I'm like, you're right. They don't get it. And maybe you don't express it that well either. And usually people don't argue with me on that thing. Well, yeah, I'm not in the best place right now, so I'm probably not expressing myself the best. So language, utmost important, rule number one, if you can talk about your mental health struggles better and find different words to express it, or if you can give support to someone who, who has mental health struggles by approaching them in ways that allows this to be a conversation, not a diagnosis, not a how do we treat you, because friends don't treat friends. They help friends. Right. Family members help. They don't fix. I mean, they're not really capable of it. Right. Well, and and kind of to end our conversation today, I want to just have you um, share a tool. <laughs> and I remember the kind of when I first, um, and I think that it's in our episode, maybe number six, actually. And um, you talk about unpacking. And so in a situation where a parent is trying to understand and trying to have a, this conversation, talk about how unpacking helps to maybe get into fine tune that communication because that's definitely a tool yeah. that that I think that we can we can all use. Well, all parents, adults, teachers, coaches, anyone that feels responsible for a young person or that's coming to them that's struggling with something. The whole unpacking thing is really clarifying and validating things before you move on. If you're a parent and you're hearing your kid is struggling with some sort of mental health, whether it be from the school, the kid's trying to tell you, it's very natural and normal to want to react. Oh my gosh, like, like how did this happen? AKA What's going on? freak out. Freak out. <laughs> and so you start asking questions. You start going to, we need to be MacGyver and solve. Uh, Whose fault is like, this? Yeah, yeah. Whose fault is we got to figure it out? So- the unpacking, instead of getting right to the solution, figuring out what's going on, the unpacking is just simply restating to make sure that you're getting the information correctly. Because the way your loved one may be sharing the way they're feeling and the way you're hearing it may be two different things. So if someone's trying to express to you how down and depressed they've been feeling, and they say, for the especially a teenager, they say, you know, for, for I've been feeling depressed and suicidal and these things all year long. I've heard lots of parents look at me like, oh, wait, like this has been two weeks 
and they're getting logical. Like that doesn't make sense. So, so last month you had the birthday party, you had everything going great for you, and now the teenagers saying, "Now you don't believe me." Right. Now you're getting defensive. Like, well, it's been like a year. I just didn't tell you because they couldn't trust you. What do you mean you couldn't trust me? I thought you could always talk to me about everything. See how easily that took a, a turn, and now it's no longer about the mental health conversation. It's about, am I a good parent or am I not a good parent? It's about. My parents don't understand me. They can't connect with me. So now I can't talk to them anymore. So unpacking just simply says, okay, I'm just trying to understand what you're saying. So can I ask you a question? I'm not questioning you. I say this to kids all the time. I say, I'm not questioning you. I'm, I'm just asking because I want to know. Like I'm trying to understand because I don't want to screw this up and, and say I understand you when I don't. As soon as you tell someone, I'm trying to understand this, can I ask you some questions just not to question you, but to help me understand. What an important, like hugely important distinction. I'm if not you questioning make, you. I just want to ask you a question. I'm writing that down too. When I, I, I use this one probably 15 times a week at least. When I look at a young person with just conviction, say, hey, listen, I really want to understand this better. Can I ask you some questions? Just help me understand. I'm not questioning you. I'm just trying to understand where you're coming from. As soon as I make that distinction, you see the look in their face go from not sure and then all of a sudden they go, Oh, well, yeah, well, that's, now this is trying to someone to help. This person's trying to help me. Yeah, let, okay, put, please. Then they go, yeah, go ahead, ask me questions. Then when they give you the permission can, back. Can I, can I just yeah. add that in this step, it's really important that the look on your face and the body language that you're presenting is really a look of concern and a feel of concern. Oh, yeah. That's going to be huge. But it's the concern, not you're oh, yeah. freaking out. It's the concern of like, oh, I, I, I want like to I'm help. I'm really interested. I'm really, I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I'm curious. Like, what's going on mm -hmm. here? So, once, once you let them know that, and I don't know why, it just narrowed it down to this throughout the years. Something about, can I ask you a question? Not to question you. I'm just trying to understand. Even young teenagers, they, they look at you and they go. Okay, you you may proceed. Go ahead and ask yeah, me. Yeah, they quick. do. They give me permission. Now they're like, okay, now we're equals in this conversation. So off the bat, I'm just going, oh my gosh. So this happened, this happened, this happened. And because of this happened, then it made you feel this way. And because you felt this way, you're like, why even try about all this stuff over here? And then I just I just try to walk down the rabbit hole with them so I can figure out where they landed. If you just go straight to where someone's at in their mental health struggles and you just simply focus on that glaring problem and you go straight to that, you don't get to have the conversation where they're actually exposing all the intimate details. The reasons. The reasons that help you understand, but also the reasons that give them relief. Mm -hmm. How much of a relief it is when we get to talk to a friend or a trusted support person, loved one, and they're only receiving what we're saying. They're not questioning it. They're not challenging it. They're not trying to get us to explain it better. They're just an open conduit for this information to come to them. That is so helpful to the individual. That's freaking over 50% of what I do, just that. That in and of itself is an art form. The art of allowing someone to express himself and you timely engage interaction to let them know that you're working with them, but you don't shut it down by asking them a bunch of questions that get them derailed. So now they don't get to talk about what they want to talk about. They're only answering your questions of your concerns. And I really do ad admire how you're able to do this because it, it requires practice. 
And, and actually in our families, we have a million opportunities to practice this. So look for the opportunities to practice this, I say. Because what we're really wanting to happen as we unpack is we want to be able to say, oh, well, it makes perfect sense why you would feel that way. And a little quick addition, when people tell me I'm being disingenuous, that's not true, I'm lying. And so they want to use that as their resistance to not try this. And I say, okay, so by you saying, oh, this makes perfect sense, I completely understand. If I were you, I would feel that way too. Think about it. If you're, and I'm thinking of one random person, if you're a teenage boy and you didn't think about tomorrow, let alone your future, and you had this impulse to do this, and you had this crowd of kids you're hanging out with who are daring you to do this, you're actually telling them, if I were you, I would probably do the same thing too. That's not a lie. That's not being disingenuous. You just have to see that you're trying to come to someone's level and unpacking is a way to connect with them, not focusing on the concern first, just really let them be a part of the conversation. Now a mental, a person that has mental health issues, that is mentally unstable, is actually having a conversation and connecting with someone, that person's understanding them. Maybe they're not that crazy after all. This this is the game changer. This is when this is when there becomes a trust and an opening up and most people just want to know from me that I'm a professional that they're not crazy. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I can legitimately tell them you're not crazy, but you're going through some crazy stuff, or you're showing this different type of stuff, then we can get on a course or a pathway to a solution. But if they can't see that I'm connecting with their problem or I have some sort of relatability, understanding what they're going through, solutions are a long, long ways away. Right, And it feels like... If we're just talking about like trying to relieve that pressure, it just feels so good to get that out. Your goal might be to get them to counseling and their goal may be simply to be heard and understood. But how do you get someone to counseling? If you have that influence to get them to counseling, you're not going to get them to counseling if you don't, if they don't feel like you're hearing them and understanding them and connecting with them. That's why they just want you to to drop them off so you can fix. So this therapist can fix them. Yeah. That's why before our podcast started 100%, 100% of my referrals came from someone else that I counseled. I don't get referrals. I don't do any marketing. I I don't get referrals from, from insurance companies. that would call me up and say, hey, can you take a client? It was 100% because a friend had a conversation with someone and instead of telling them that their life is screwed up or messed up, they sat with them, they listened to them, and that first step of healing, that language allowed the next step to happen. Sometimes the next step is counseling. Sometimes the next step could be going to the hospital, treatment, whatever it may be, it starts with the connection. So I think that that's where I... I hope that we, I want to leave you. <clears throat> Not just hope. This is where we're going to leave you. Yeah. <laughs> this this week is <clears throat> with a challenge to kind of think about how how your language could improve. How your le- maybe less generalizing and more specifically trying to understand what's going on and what parts of those things are actually contributing to the feelings. What are the circumstances and the elements of the circumstance that are contributing to these feelings? And um, and try this whole un- unpacking thing. And you know what? The unpacking thing doesn't have to be used just when there's a crisis. 
the unpacking thing can also just be used, you know, how was your day? And then, and then you can unpack what they said. It just tells somebody that you're actually listening and you want to know. And you lose young people, stressed out people, if you're not picking up what they're putting down. If you're way off and you, you, you're half in your phone or you're, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, but you really don't, it's, you know, the, the new school with this younger generation, they're a lot more savvier um, to know if someone's paying attention to them because it's a world where nobody can pay attention to anything for too long. Like it's right. hard <laughs> to keep your attention. So if someone's drifting in and out of a conversation or if they're quickly just trying to fix you, that sounds like they just don't have the time or they lack interest in whatever your struggles are. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you're listening to our podcast and you're one of our listeners, you're taking the time. Something in your life right now is happening where you're realizing that you have to change your language because the person you want to connect with, the person struggling, they're not changing theirs. You can't just hold your breath and wait for them to figure out how to express their thoughts and feelings better. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to step forward. You're going to have to take some initiative. And, you know, this unpacking and being able to clarify with people and say, hey, you know, let me ask you a question just to understand better. These are all simple little tactics that have worked throughout the years to help you let someone know I'm on your team. Now, once I establish that we're allies, let's take a deep breath and let's see what we need to do next. Sometimes you don't need to do anything else next. They just need to know that there's a person that gave them a little bit of relief that helped them out in the time when they need it. And sometimes that's good enough. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't have to be something severe, which is why I'm glad you brought that up, Heidi. This could be for little things too. Mm -hmm. Clarifying, wait, what happened after school? Then this happened, this happened. Is that correct? Yes, mom, that happened. Okay, and then after that happened, this happened, yes, that happened. Oh man, that's, that sucks. I can see why you're tired. Yeah, I no wonder why you're, why you're so tired. And I can then, see why you hate then this. the kid's like, okay, now I'm like, all right, well, thank you, so I don't have to do my homework? Oh, well, I didn't say that. I'm saying I can see why you're tired. <laughs> Now they're less frustrated with you asking them to do their homework because you already showed up to every one of their validation parties, yep. <laughs> aka pity parties, and they can be stressed, tired, and still do their homework. And you can say, hey, yeah. why don't I make you a sandwich? Exactly. So you can get through this. But I'm too tired. Well, I'll pour some Pez on it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking. Hopefully you don't put Pez in your kid's sandwiches. Hey. You you know what? Whatever it takes. Chips, though. Did you ever do that in, in, oh, yeah. in Doritos, elementary school? Pull chips on the sandwiches, put some Doritos, and Cool Ranch Doritos on top of the hamburger. Ooh-wee. Good stuff. Uh, cafeteria lunches. Now I'm going to vomit in my mouth. So, <laughs> You guys, as always, um, we appreciate you being here. Um, I, was, I was talking to another friend of mine who also has a podcast, and she didn't know that I had a podcast, and she pulled hers up, or she pulled our podcast our podcast up and the first thing that she looked at wasn't how many episodes there were wasn't like <laughs> she went straight to the reviews oh and i was wondering said, where you're going with this and she way. said you guys have 470 i don't know we had over 400 reviews and she was like that is huge and i was like oh Awesome. <laughs> you know, because I've been banned from actually reading the reviews. Uh, <laughs> It'd be awesome if we did something with all that. <laughs> so, um, you guys, thank you to those of you who have um, taken that minute to give us a review and um, a five-star rating. <laughs> um, and thank you for telling your friends and your family and people that you care about about our podcast. Now there's just funny quick story. I'm trying to close this out, but I was 
I was at the barber. Um, so shout out to the lady that I saw at the barber this week. And I was talking to my son. I was trying to talk about the haircut. And she, and she keeps looking at me with this weird look. And I'm never really sure why people know me. But I can usually tell when they're having some kind of, you know, um, recognition happening. And she, and she snaps her fingers and she goes, light the fight podcast. <laughs> and so she, you know, she didn't know what I looked like. She recognized my voice, which you guys, it's a high, it's a high compliment. And then she said the, you know, that her friend had told her about the podcast and it had just changed, changed the game for her and her husband. And, and here's the best compliment. She said, my husband and I have been um, to counseling individually. We've been to counseling as um, a couple. And she said, I find the information that you guys share as or more valuable than one-on-one counseling that we've had. And, and I just, you guys, that's what I like to hear. I like to hear that it's helping um, means... I, I just, I love it. it. makes sitting here with David and Brandon in a rainstorm worth it. Okay. First of all, we're not in the rainstorm. I mean, but there's a rainstorm for <laughs> it sure. It was hard for someone else out there that <laughs> broke down on the side of the 15th through it. No, well, I, I can, uh, I can add to what Heidi said. We, we love to hear all your positive feedback and, um, yeah, I mean, it's cool that, uh, that just shows the cool power of podcasts, you know, in general, so cool. we, we love all podcasts that are interesting to all of our listeners out there, but to know that um, that we're a part of your life and to know that you take the time to listen to us and to think cause, because because I'm a professional counselor, when I get the feedback about the podcast, how people say stuff like that's been so helpful, it makes me feel really happy because I just didn't know I just didn't know what it'd be like to try to talk about this personal information to strangers. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad that it's a uh, it's uh, making sense. You guys are liking it. So yeah. so as always. You guys, thanks for listening and thanks for helping us to light the fight.